0: everybody, it is Thursday, November 16th, 2017, and you're listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Ezzelike, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, car whatever, and uh, this week, you know, once again, it's kind of a slow news week. We're really kind of in the middle of nothing, not a whole lot happening. Uh, so this week, I figured we would kind of dive into a little bit of some car shopping Stories, some things that are going on in my personal life when it comes to car shopping, um, and maybe reflect on that a little bit to maybe help you if you're potentially doing some new car shopping. Um, But up ahead, before that, I want to do a short little segment on two new stories that I think are kind of interesting, kind of as we're about to wrap up this week. Um, And maybe later today, if there's some time, and maybe uh, just to see how it goes, I'd like to maybe do a test episode of uh, a car segment recommendation episode where uh, we kind of go through we pick a certain car segment and I recommend three different vehicles we'll spend about you know the usual three to five minutes on each car uh, just kind of going over the highlights and lowlights and uh, other general things about each thing so we'll see if that happens but anyway after the bump two short car news stories coming up next All right, two super short car news stories. One I'll probably have a follow-up with later on. Uh, The second, kind of just a general overlay of the things we've been talking about repeatedly on this podcast. Uh, First up, Tesla has announced today, or at least Elon Musk has announced, that Tesla today is going to unveil the semi-truck project uh, that they've been working on in secret for a year or two, two years, something like that. Um, Not a whole lot is really known about what that is. Uh, There's been some teaser images of the Tesla semi-truck project before. Um, More or less, Tesla wants to get into the shipping game. And, you know, with so much of American commerce dependent on the semi-truck game, uh, if you could leverage a lot of that cost you know, onto the electric grid and make it cheap and make it more environmentally friendly, there's going to be a much lower impact on the environment. So I'm interested to see, at least in this, how the hell they seem to think that they're going to be able to, one, be able to pack enough energy in those battery packs to be able to go the mileage with the tonnage that happens, because weight and power demands are going to really draw a lot on the batteries. so this thing must have a ton of juice in it. Second of all, I'm interested to hear how they think they're going to charge these things, because if those battery packs are two, three, four, five, however many times greater than what's in the Tesla Model S, uh, that's going to be a crazy amount of juice that you're going to have to plug in overnight. Now granted, a lot of truckers, once they go a certain distance, do generally stop for the night, but if you even have to fuel up for you know more than a half hour, that's really eating up into your 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 time spent. So I'm not sure how this is going to do. Maybe this is going to be something where this is the first car to actually get the battery swap technology applied to it. Um, something they've been talking about the Tesla Model S where you'd be able to pull your car into a shop of some kind and they would drop the battery out from the bottom of the car, give you a brand new battery, you'd go on your way and then on your way back home you'd stop back, get your original battery back in your car and that way there's zero charge time in theory Uh, I don't know. It's going to be weird. So, I'm interested to see what the news is going to be. Second news item is that uh, following the lead of Fiat Chrysler and apparently General Motors and a couple other brands, um, Hyundai is going to go all in on the crossover uh, thing. And unfortunately, I use the phrase all in. I hate this, but... Uh, Hyundai is betting big on crossovers and SUVs over the next couple of years while fuel is staying cheap. Now, granted, Hyundai is saying that uh, their onslaught of new crossover and SUV vehicles are going to be with a wide variety of fuel applications. So, of course, there's going to be petrols and petrols with turbos, and there's going to be turbo diesels. There's going to be, you know, um, electric and hybrid options, but they're also promising that they're going to do some kind of fuel cell option in the near future, too. So... What does that mean for consumers, especially here in the United States? Not a whole lot. The first of these new SUVs and crossovers here in the U.S. is going to be the Kona, which is supposed to come out, I believe, early next year. Uh, Think Nissan, Juke, Toyota. What is it? The HCR? Or not the HCR. What is it? The CHR? uh, It's it's that size. It's that micro crossover size uh, with a reasonably okay, powerful turbocharged four-cylinder engine and a four-wheel drive platform that will get you through some elements, but not all. Um, so Hyundai is going to bet big. Um, my guess is that uh, from this little tiny one, they're going to go up to a big one, which is what they're saying. So I'm guessing that that next one is going to be a redone version of the Santa Fe or whatever they decided to replace the Santa Fe name with. Um, so a big Honda Pilot or Chevrolet Tahoe competitor. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm I'm interested to see what Hyundai can come up with. They've done so many great things with small cars, and their smaller crossovers have been really good. Um, a big reinvestment by them, at least in that direction, seems like it could produce some very interesting results. I really like the new Kona, just based on looks. I haven't seen one in person yet, so hopefully, maybe they can knock this one out of the park. But That's all for news. Um, You know, maybe a little bit more follow-up tomorrow if we see a lot more about this uh, Tesla announcement. That's going to be really late at night here on the East Coast. Uh, I think it's 11 p.m. is the debut here on the East Coast. So, uh, let's just jump right into the next segment. So, a quick personal story about uh, helping my mom shop for a used car. Um, long story short, she was out of vehicle, had a set budget that she had, sought the help uh, to find a new vehicle from her friend who knew somebody who worked at a car dealership and had been selling vehicles to a lot of people. Um, you know, what it really boils down to, guys, is make sure that you're doing your research. Um, my, my mom is not a person who knows a lot about cars. She's aware of cars. She knows about brands. She likes what she likes, and that's about it. So, of course, she falls into the trap this time of year in the Midwest where snow is coming um, and people are trying to upgrade to four-wheel drive vehicles or larger vehicles as the bad weather is about ready to hit. And so she had to replace her car that she'd had for a while. She had found this 2007 Saturn View uh, through her friend and it, you know, it's, it's an okay car, that's the best way I can describe it, and that's the problem, is that she likes it and I don't really care for it and because I did the research on it and said I don't think it's a good idea, I become the bad person because I'm poo-pooing whatever idea that her and this dealership guy thought was the best idea. Um, For those of you who don't remember, back in the day, uh, GM had inked a deal with Honda to provide OnStar for their vehicles, while on the flip side, um, GM would get some of Honda's powertrains for the Saturn View. Um, So that means that this View has the 3.5 liter V6 with the 5-speed automatic, which of course had a litany of issues around that time, where uh, the gearbox would just suddenly overheat and blow apart and although the issues were more problematic on some of the acuras and the larger honda vehicles that doesn't necessarily mean that this view escaped those same problems at the same time my mom lives in a pretty big city she doesn't have to travel more than two or three miles a day so she doesn't need something like a large suv or not really large in this case but she doesn't need something that big with four-wheel drive and a v6 so nevertheless I get into a a litany of arguments with this dealership guy who's trying to ring her up for a vehicle that shouldn't cost more than four grand out the door for nearly $7,000 with tax and title and all that stuff added on to it. And, you know, it's it's really a thing where you need to hold your ground, you know, if you're shopping. You need to know what you're looking at. You need to know what prices are worth. You need to know what kind of potential issues there's going to be. This vehicle in particular had been a uh, vehicle in a fleet for quite a while, which assumes that it was either a business vehicle or a rental vehicle, and it was in New York State, which, of course, isn't always a good thing. There are a lot of issues on the history report with the brakes that I wasn't exactly comfortable with. When driving it, the brakes seemed squishy to me. The interior wasn't very clean. It was a lot of things that, you know, maybe me as a car buyer, I'm too picky about, but, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to walk away from a deal if you don't feel comfortable with it. Uh, Nothing against this dealer dude, but he did his best to do the personal appeals uh, to people. You know, he tells me that his only concern is making sure that my mom is happy and that I feel like he gave her a good deal, but he wouldn't budge below $6,000 on the sale of this vehicle. Ultimately, I don't know how much my mom ended up paying for it. Um, I told her that she shouldn't spend more than $5,000 out the door, and she would still be overpaying at that rate. Um, But that's life, you know? Um, If you feel like this is the car for you, if you feel like you're comfortable with paying that amount of money, who am I or anybody else to tell you that that's a bad idea? Um, You know, arguably I paid a little too much for the car I currently own, but at the same time, I needed a new car. I thought it was time to get a new car. I liked the car that I ended up getting. And yes, while I did overpay, it in the end has been bonafidely, or what what even words do you want to say there? Like it's It's just been a better choice than the car I had at that point in time. So to sum up everything, just make sure you do your research before you go in. And, you know, you do your best to get a good deal. Um, It's tough out there, guys. You know, if you're buying a new car, it's a little bit easier sometimes, but used car sales are still a mess. So just be tough, be vigilant, do your research, and hopefully you get a good deal. So in a little bit of better news, um, we're still shopping for a new vehicle uh, to replace my girlfriend's 2015 Jeep Renegade. Uh, She's on a lease for a couple of years. She's had it for about half of what her lease term is. And overall, we've really liked the vehicle. It's been really great for commuting. It's been really great for carrying things. It does pretty darn well in the snow, at least with the Large, small amounts that we have gotten in the past year or so in Michigan, Uh, so this year I think is going to be a good test for it. We're shopping around. Uh, Needless to say, it's not the best vehicle for my girlfriend who does the majority of her commuting on the highway and eventually hits stop-and-go traffic, which means that a vehicle that is easily capable of getting over 30 miles per gallon doesn't ever do more than 24-ish. Uh, miles per gallon. So it's been a disappointment on that front. Um, Another disappointment for us has been that infamously bad uh, Getrag 9-speed automatic gearbox. The thing is a piece of shit. Uh, Don't let anybody tell you that this gearbox can get away uh, with being okay. It's just not. It's it's not good. Uh, So frustrations with that and the fuel economy have kind of gone into a point where we have been looking at smaller cars. Um, I have finally been able to convince Ashley to think about getting something a little bit smaller, something a little more fuel efficient, something a little bit more city friendly. So that's led us in a couple different directions. Um, more specifically, three of the main competitors have been at the Kia Hyundai, Kia, Hyundai dealership. Uh, the first one being the Kia Nero, the kind of crossover-esque, uh, I'm, it's pretty much a wagon at this point. Uh, you know, 50 miles per gallon city, or sorry, 53 miles per gallon city, 50 highway, I think is where it's at. Um, interior space is not too much smaller than the Jeep, um, but obviously the round shape is going to limit some of the cargo space. Uh, so we really like that idea right now. The problem is, is that it's a little bit more expensive, and unless Kia does some promotions on the sales, that makes it a little bit harder to choose. But the overall savings that you would get on the fuel economy really makes a strong case for it, especially for her doing the stop and go driving into the city. In those same brands, uh, the Kia, what do they call it, the uh, Forte 5 wagon um, and the Hyundai Elantra GT um, both also make some compelling arguments as well. Um, The Kia just got a little bit of a style revamp for 2018 and some different packaging on the interior. So I'm interested to see what that's like because I generally do not like the interior of the current uh, forte. It's got some weird flourishes that just look cheap. And on the flip side, the Elantra GT really packs a lot more space and overall creature comforts into the car that I think make it a smarter choice. But for the price, it's not always... The most competitive thing, especially when you go to our other option that we're also considering, which is the Honda Civic hatchback. Uh, The Honda Civic hatchback is, yes, more expensive, but it also gets better fuel economy compared to the Kia and the Hyundai, which are still relying on larger, naturally aspirated four cylinder engines. So it's that kind of rigmarole where what kind of money do you want to spend on creature comforts? What kind of money do you want to get back in fuel economy? Um, It makes it a little bit tough to decide. You know, four-wheel drive, we've kind of left on the floor, so, you know, as much as I want to consider something like the Subarus, which she does really like, they're a little more cost prohibitive, and the size isn't exactly what she wants. Uh, We've also looked at some crossovers as well. Um, I'm waiting to see what the Hyundai Kona looks like. Um, I'm also interested in seeing what some of these other smaller crossovers that are supposed to debut this year, like the Ford EcoSport, are going to turn out to be, but... Yeah, we're kind of in a holding pattern of sorts, but at the very least, it makes shopping a little bit easy with three of the top competitors being at the Hyundai Kia dealership, Um, you know, and having some family ties to that company, uh, at least not with Hyundai Kia, but the dealership that's there, potentially we could get a little bit of a cost savings on that, so we'll keep you posted, but right now, Hatchbacks is the name of the game, and it seems like we're kind of heading deeper into that ball game. So last up, kind of a weird little thing of the Car on My Mind segment, Uh, and that kind of comes from walking through a parking lot the other day and seeing a Batman vs. Superman edition Jeep Renegade. Now, if you don't remember Batman vs. Superman, at the very beginning of the movie, Ben Affleck races this black Jeep Renegade through the city of Detroit, well... The city of Gotham, I should say, uh, at breakneck speed. And so, lo and behold, Fiat Chrysler made a special edition Jeep Renegade for the movie, um, which was all a big part of their partnership with DC Comics and Warner Brothers in this film. Which is kind of weird, because this year, DC and, I guess, uh, Neversoft Entertainment are partnered with General Motors to do some promotion on some of their vehicles. Um, So they had a special Batman edition Tahoe and a couple other things, but I don't know if those vehicles are actually getting sold, which is also kind of weird because just a few short years ago, DC was partnered up with Kia to do a bunch of special edition Kias for the auto show circuit as well. So the question is, movie tie-in vehicles, they're kind of weird, right? Like, Like, who are the people that are deciding... What goes where? Like, you know, I can understand the uh, Transformers edition, the Bumblebee edition Chevrolet Camaro, because that was such a big part of the Transformers movies, which GM offered, I think, up until this year, maybe? I'm not 100% sure, since we're not getting any more Transformers movies. Or at least that's what they say. Uh, You know, one of the movie editions that I really fondly remember is the T3 edition Toyota Tundra, which is a specialty black version of the pickup truck from, I don't even remember what year that was, close to the end of the early 2000s, it's it's weird. It's weird seeing these special movie edition vehicles out on the street because of how much they actually cost. Um, I I recently saw one of the uh, Star Wars Rogue One edition Nissan Rogues. And I was reminded of the extra cost that that added to the base price of the vehicle. Um, Apparently, you could still order that vehicle up until a few months ago. Um, There was some kind of dealer allotment that maybe never got purchased or something. But you're talking about like a really just a graphics package, a couple of stickers, some darker wheels and some darker trim. And I think in some cases, you may have gotten a custom made helmet or something like that that went with it but it was like a two thousand dollar package for just a couple of stickers that's fucking crazy like that's nuts and the batman versus superman edition all it was was black paint with black trim with black wheels and a special batman superman logo on the back that was an extra two or three thousand dollars like that's fucking nuts like i i know that they're limited edition i know that if you're a really big fan of the thing you know who am i to say not to order that kind of stuff but that's Nuts! That's crazy. Like, especially when it's just off-the-shelf pieces that they usually tend to grab for these kinds of things that are just painted a different color. <sighs> I don't know. People could go on the same kind of rant with the pace car editions of all these other different vehicles that come out any given time. But uh, yeah, Whew. car cars on my mind. The special edition vehicles. God help us all. <laughs> All right, guys, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title podcast for Thursday, November 16th, 2017. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Brad like and you can reach out to me here on Anchor FM with uh, call-ins, feedback, whatever. Or you can talk to me on Twitter, at YSSMAN. Uh, you know, don't look there too hard. You might see some crazy shit. Uh, but, uh, hey, it's always a place where you can reach out to me. Um, other things going on guys. Uh you know we're just a short time out from the Los Angeles International Auto Show. Uh the first big car show, even though it's technically in 2017, it's the first big car show for 2018. Uh, typically LA tends to be a bigger show uh, for compact, subcompact. Mm-hmm. I guess technically soon to be compact and subcompact crossovers. Uh, Typically a little bit more of the affordable fare for folks who live in the city, uh, for young people, things like that. So I'm getting excited because it's a lot of the cars that I can afford, the cars I tend to like the most. Uh, So keep your eyes peeled. That should be coming out as well. Um, And then after that, it's only a few short weeks till the Detroit International Auto Show, the North American International Auto Show, the big deal every year for 2018. That'll be coming up in January. So get excited, guys. It's almost car new season again. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think today I am going to do a follow-up episode, uh, do a little experiment on the, uh, car buying recommendations, uh, talk a little bit about maybe the three best models in a given segment and what trims or options I think are standard that you have to get, uh, and what that kind of means for you as a shopper, uh, going forward. So what segment I'm going to pick, uh, not quite sure yet. Uh, we'll figure that out once the episode debuts. I've got opinions. I've got hot takes to give you for each segment of the automotive industry. So with all that in mind, guys, keep your eyes, or ears, I guess in this case, peeled? You gross. Uh, yeah, anyway, we'll see you next time on the Salvage Title Podcast. Peace.